Many of you know Barry and Ellen Silver, the Silvers. Uh, Barry lost his mom a couple of months ago, and I was walking through the receiving line to greet the family and talk with him just a minute and try and catch up. And he said, let's get together for lunch soon. And so we did a few weeks ago and kind of catching up with family, what was going on with family. And he shared with me a story of uh, his wife, Ellen, that heard about a distant cousin of Barry's of his that needed a kidney. So she prayed about it and said, told Barry, I think the Lord wants me to give your cousin this kidney if, if, if I'm a match. He said, you don't even know her. You've not even met her. She said, well, I've just been praying about this and I think that's what the Lord wants me to do. And so she goes and gets tested. Sure enough, she's a match for this girl's kidney and gives the girl a kidney, a cousin that she's never known. And Barry was, was still kind of blown away at that. And I said, what an incredible story of sacrificial grace on her part and on your cousin's part that, that God in his sovereignty placed those two people in the same proximity with each other that could meet a need for each other. And and if, if her giving a kidney to, a, to an unknown cousin is not sacrificial grace, I don't know what is. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. If you want to turn to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that's where we'll be spending the bulk of our time today. Um, we started in week one with looking at gratitude and grace, how gratitude and grace have to work together. Looked in week two at this idea of, of immeasurable, immense grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. John, John chapter 1, verse 16. Looked at the call of grace on our life in uh, the third week. And then last week we talked about grace being the great equalizer. How when deformity spiritual deformity besets us. Grace is the great equalizer in coming to our aid again and again and again. Let's look at this text in Second Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 9 together and see the things that grace gives us, how sacrificial giving and grace work together. Second Corinthians 8, verse 1. <clears throat> and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the, uh, given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testified that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to God's people. <clears throat> and they went beyond our expectations. Having given themselves first of all to the Lord, they gave themselves by the will of God also to us. So, we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made, made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not, I am not commanding you, but I want to testify the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Four things today I want us to see from this text. The first is this, that grace gives beyond our abilities. Grace gives beyond our ability. Look at one through three with me again. In the midst of, look at verse 2, in the midst of very severe trial and overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity for 
I testified that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. <clears throat> even beyond their ability. Meaning, not out of what they possess, but out of what they're about to possess. Not out of what they, what they have in their hand and can manage today, but out of what's coming. What they know to be coming around the corner down the road. Meaning, my faith is not in, in what I hold today and my ability to give from that resource, but from the resource God's going to give me in giving today. Giving in faith. Uh, giving beyond their own ability. Now, how do, they, how do they do that? How do we do that? If you look at verse 2, you'll see it's with a joy sandwich. Look at, look at this, this, these three phrases in verse 2. In the midst of every severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. So the sandwich between severe trial and extreme poverty is this overflowing joy, this idea that we find joy in, in, those, in those times of giving. I would submit to you, if you really want to experience real joy, learn to be a gracious giver. I've shared with you several stories about my godly grandmother, and one uh, I just learned of about a year or so ago, a little over a year ago, that I'd never heard this story before. It didn't surprise me, but I'd never heard it. Um, my mom was one of eight children, seven girls and a boy. And uh, she, her dad had a problem with alcohol, and he would come home oftentimes drunk and, and uh, never really abusive to the children, but got to where it was, there was some violence involved, and there was some, my grandmother was afraid for the life of her kids, and so said, I'll put up with this, I'll put up with this, go, get out of here, I don't want you around these children like this, get out of here, you're going to have to go. So he did, he moved in with his sister in South Carolina, but it left her with eight kids by herself, and she was taking in washing and ironing and cleaning and those kind of things as just a means of income. Well, they were in extreme poverty, as you might imagine, <clears throat> and so there was an instance where they were about to eat breakfast and there was nothing in the refrigerator, there was nothing in the cupboard. She gathers the kids around the table and says, kids, let's start to pray. It says, so they started to pray. As they praise you, here's this knock at the door. There's a neighbor lady at her front door <clears throat> with a pot of oatmeal about this big. She said, she said, Miss Shields, I fixed way too much oatmeal today. told me to come share it with you. But I guarantee you, I mean, I, I'm sure that the, the immense blessing and joy on my grandmother's face was evident to the lady. But I guarantee you the more joy was in the lady who had the oatmeal that day, not in my grandmother. Now the kids were probably pretty happy with the 
you know, there, there, but um, the joy that day was in, in sacrificial and gracious giving beyond their ability to do so. Because come to find out, this lady was very poor herself and had several children at home and was just obedient to God to say, come give. Perspective is a great teacher about grace because it forces us to look beyond ourselves. It forces us to look at not our own abilities, but God's ability beyond our capability to meet needs and to step into situations. There's a, there's a huge difference between giving out of your ability and giving out of faith. Your ability says, I can do this. We can do this. Come on. Faith says, God can do that every time. God can do that. Ability says, <clears throat> here you go from me to you. Faith says, there you go from God. I'm just a steward. I'm a funnel. I'm a sieve of what he's placed in my hands to share with you as, as that neighbor lady did with my grandmother and those kids that day. Um, as we find ourselves giving out of our own ability, we'll miss huge blessings in our life. We could learn to give out of faith, give beyond ourselves, beyond our own abilities and capabilities, of not of, again, not what we possess today, but what God has promised to give us both today and tomorrow if we'll be obedient to him. And he does that again and again and again and again. Grace gives beyond our ability. Secondly, grace gives beyond our expectations. Look at verses 4 and 5 with me. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to God's people. And they went beyond our expectations, having given themselves, first of all, to the Lord. They gave themselves by the will of God also to us. Beyond our expectations. In essence, wanting nothing in return. Giving out of the joy of giving and, and not so that I'll get. So here's these impoverished believers <clears throat> here at the Corinthian church that had, had little means to give from, yet Paul admonishes them for their generosity. And they weren't say, saying that you're not giving to get. You're giving just out of obedience and out of, out of, out of the, good, the goodness of your heart and beyond the expectations of getting something from it. So this verse says, this is just another element of the sacrificial ways in which they live and gave themselves over to the Lord in the first place beyond their ability to do so. It's just a, it's just a, uh, a further expression of what's already in their heart instead of what's in their hands. And notice this, if God is really Lord in your life, and we pray to him as Lord, we seek him as Lord and acknowledge him as Lord. If that's really true, if he's really Lord in your life, then he'll be Lord of your time. If he's really Lord in your life, he'll be Lord of your talent. If he's really Lord in your life, he'll be Lord of your treasure. He'll be Lord of all you have. It's been said, uh, uh, Billy Sunday said many, many, many years ago, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. That's a true statement because Paul admonishes the Second Corinthian church here, to, to, to acknowledge their, their, the lordship of God as they give and give and give beyond their own capability. Instead of, uh, giving sacri- instead of giving from the standpoint of what's in it for me, which is me-driven, they gave uh, of themselves. And, and, and it, Paul says here also that um, there was nothing, <clears throat> nothing in it for them, yet this verse says, verse 4 says, they urgently pleaded with the ability to give. How and why do impoverished people who are struggling themselves urgently plead for the opportunity to give even more? To say, how can I help? What can I do? Um, 
They urgently pleaded, he says in this verse, and so my question to you today is, when's the last time you've asked if you could either give to something or help someone? When's the last time you've asked for the privilege of doing that? Uh, I just shared with you earlier, uh, there's needs here in, in, in Kids Point for folks to, to help downstairs. And as I said earlier, especially men or guys or young men. Um, but when's the last time you've asked for the, been, been so moved that you've asked for the, how can I help with that? How can I, how can I give you time, talent, and treasure to help with, me, with this need being met? Uh, in the church, beyond the church, to some, to a neighbor of yours, uh, uh, someone you work with. Uh, but that kind of giving gives beyond our expectations of receiving anything in return to say, I'm giving just out of the obedience of who God is in my life, the fact that he's Lord of all of this, whatever's in my pockets, whatever I'm driving down the road, whatever I go to, to work to do every day, he's Lord of all of that, and I'm giving out of the truth of that and the promise of his goodness. Grace gives beyond our ability. It gives beyond our expectations. Thirdly, grace gives beyond our blessings. Look at verses 6 and 7. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you, watch this, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. This is a blessed church and a blessed people beyond uh, beyond their ability to, to glean that for and from themselves. And look at all these things they excelled at. What's Paul trying to get them to see? He's trying to get them to see that grace is the vehicle to excelling at faith, to excelling at, at the, how they spoke to each other, to excelling at their, their hunger for knowledge, to grow in the Lord, to grow in his word, to grow with each other. To excel in earnestness, in, in, in transparency in essence, and to excel in giving love to each other. He says, you excel at these things because of the grace given you. Now give from that same platform. These, these things you excel at, that you're good at, you excel at them and are good at them because of the grace of God. So let the grace of God that causes you to be good at those things be given over and over and over again and again as these attributes are lived out in your life. Uh, so we don't strive for things to to keep them to ourselves, but rather to give them away. Well, it's easy to bless when we've been blessed, but to go beyond our own blessing, to go beyond our own means and beyond our own abilities, that's something altogether different that he's calling them to do, calling this church to do, to, and our church to do here today. Uh, that's the kind of grace he's talking about, beyond our own abilities, with nothing, in, nothing for us in return, nothing to wait on us or, or, or to give to get. Uh, that's where we find the place of real blessing, as I, as I said. I guarantee you my grandmother was blown away and her kids were blessed and, and, and thankful that morning. But the real blessing was the lady who said, here's, here's, too, here's way too much oatmeal for me. The real, the real blessing was hers. And so we find ourselves blessed and giving beyond our ability to bless in, in and of ourselves. Fourthly and finally, grace gives beyond our ability. It gives beyond our expectations and beyond our blessings. But also grace gives beyond ourselves. Look at verses 8 and 9. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that, watch, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. To test the sincerity of your love, he says here in verse, in verse 8. How do we do that? 
by giving away grace that was given to us in Christ, giving that back into the lives of others around us. Consider this with me. He left everything and in return got nothing for it in order that you and I who have nothing can have everything. He left everything, got nothing in return, death and a crucifixion on a cross. In order that you and I who are hapless, hopeless, and have nothing can have everything in him. That's, that's the picture he's painting here in these two verses. Uh, we can't pour grace into the lives of others until we can get over ourselves. You know, let me tell you, your problem and my problem, your problem is you, my problem is me. It always has been me. It's not the circumstances around me of what I have or don't have. My problem is my own heart and my own sense of self-worth and, and selfishness of, which I, of what I think I need, deserve, want. When i got to get beyond myself to, to get to this, this deal of giving and being blessed uh, in, in giving that. So life is not about us, it's about him. And so, But sitting on the throne today in your life and in my life, sitting on the throne of meism is our enemy, the devil who wants you consumed with your own circumstances, the problems in your own world, and every reason in the world why you can't give or serve or, or, or sacrificially do something for someone else. See, he, he wants you all about you. And he, he's really good at it because I've never seen in, in the history of, of creation a culture that is more centered on itself than ours. You don't believe me? Go home this afternoon and watch any, any program you want to watch. I guarantee you probably 60% or more of commercials are telling you what you deserve. You deserve fuller hair. You deserve a nicer car. You deserve to smell good with this perfume. You deserve to, it's going to tell you the things you deserve and I deserve to, to, to live and own and have and, and acquire and do. And we, we, we are self-consumed, I think, uh, because of it. So we have to get beyond ourselves. We have to see that the poverty, his poverty, he says in verse 9, his sacrifice leads to your riches and my riches, leads to your what you have so that you and I can be, become rich. I, as I read that verse this past week, I thought about uh, George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life. And Clarence, the, the, the angel, is trying to tell him, I don't know what you're chasing after, but you had a really pretty good life. And you know the, the, end, the last scene of the movie where there's a basket there on the table and all of his neighbors and, and towns and people and, and relatives are coming in and... Uh, sharing jukebox money with him and whatever they can put into the basket. And he gets this cable. His brother reads this cable he gets from a friend uh, to say, you know, I authorize the, that you, you, you could be advanced 10, up to $10,000 or whatever is needed. To George Bailey, the richest man in town. You and I have riches that are often untapped. Because we're too self-consumed to see them and to give them away. The riches are not in what we have, but in what we give. And as we learn to learn to live that way and become that way, uh, think that way, that's step number one, we start to see this process of, of ourselves, and I often use this analogy of ourselves being a sponge, of God pouring into us and us squeezing that out into those around us. And he's filling us up again, and we squeeze it out into those around us. And he fills us up again, and we squeeze it out into, into this problem, into this financial situation, into, into, into the life of this friend, into the, into the life of this marriage that's hurting. We squeeze the grace of God into those around us again and again and again. So I need to ask you today, beyond your own children, when's the last time you've sacrificed for anything? 
Kind of an awkward pause, isn't it? I don't like the answer to that question myself. Beyond known children, when's the last time I've sacrificed, really sacrificed for anything? I don't like the answer to that question. You, you probably don't either. But the last time you gave sacrificially, the last time you loved sacrificially, the last time you were moved to, to, to serve sacrificially, when's the last time that's happened in your life? Romans 12.1 tells us to submit our bodies and give our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, acceptable and pleasing to him. We consider ourselves, our, 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 all of us and what we have as, as being living sacrifices to him. A couple of observations of truth that I want to leave you with today, and that's this. The grace and entitlement can never walk together. They just can't. Grace and entitlement can't coexist together. You think, well, I, I really do. I think I've worked hard for that. I think I really do deserve that. That mindset and living and, and giving and serving and pouring into the lives of others by way of grace, those two things can never walk together. So if you really want to experience the grace of God, the blessing of God at the hand of God, we've got to get beyond our, what we think we deserve or are entitled to. And that's a hard get. It's a hard mental jump in our culture. I get that. As I've said over and over again, you've heard me say, and I'll still say again and again, you can agree or disagree with it, it's fine. But children are at the center of the universe in our culture. Until we can get beyond them growing up thinking life is about them, we're perpetuating this, this whole cultural shift that says, I deserve, I'm entitled to, I need to receive, I need to experience, I need to go, I need to. Until we can move, until we can, can teach children to serve themselves, serve and be servants themselves, this, this meism culture is never going to shift. That's going to have to come from you and I to make some hard choices to say, no. You can't have that. No, you don't need that. No, you can play with a box and a couple of spoons on, on the porch. No, you, until we can move beyond this, this whole idea of my kids deserve more than I had, don't they? Take this book and show me any of that. You know why? It's not here. I wouldn't make that statement if I, if I thought you'd prove me wrong because... This idea of selflessness, is, it permeates this book. And it, regardless of age, it permeates this book. And so grace and entitlement can never walk together. They just can't. We've got to move beyond this, this, this mentality of what, what we deserve or our kids deserve into this idea of what, what grace is all about. The final th- thought I want to leave you is with this, is that real, real grace gives itself away freely. It gives itself away freely the question is, does that look like me? Gives itself away anticipating nothing in return. No blessing in return. No replacement of the money in return. No replacement of the time in return. No replacement of the talent in return. Expecting nothing in return. It gives itself away freely. Expecting nothing in return. Does that look like me? Does that look like me? And if not, why not? Beyond ourselves beyond our blessings, beyond our expectations, beyond our ability. Why? Because that's who Jesus is. That's what the cross looks like. That's what real grace poured into you looks like, beyond himself for you and beyond ourselves for others again and again and again. Why? Because that's who he is and that's who he's called us to be. And I'll tell you, when you can get to that place, um, 
the intimacy with God that many of us lack is found in abandoning what we want. When we can learn to abandon what we want, what we feel like we're entitled to or deserve, we find ourselves in a place of intimacy with him like we've never experienced before. If you want that and long for that, learn to give yourself and your stuff and your time and all all that's yours away. Learn to to get beyond yourself and beyond your own abilities and capabilities to speak to the needs of others that God has placed in your world that he wants to, through you, meet in their life over and over again.